podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for my rational perspective on Chelsea 1 Leeds 0. Chelsea finally winning a game for the first time, I think in over a month. Um, the first goal we've scored in what feels like absolutely ages. It wasn't an amazing performance. It wasn't an emphatic result, but it was a result that Graham Potter desperately needed and maybe sets the groundwork for something he could do for the rest of this season. I think it, you don't want to get ahead of yourselves, but also I think it would be a little bit silly to kind of be overly negative after seeing your team win a game of football. You know, I have seen a lot of reactions since the game that is kind of wanting to sort of shut anyone down who's kind of enjoying the fact that Chelsea have actually scored a goal, Chelsea have actually won a game. You know, it, it is something as a supporter you're allowed to enjoy um, in difficult moments. So we will see how it goes in the next few weeks. Obviously, Borussia Dortmund is a huge game and a massive step up in opposition. And some of the concerns you would have had watching Leeds, you know, when you tallied it up against a Borussia Dortmund team who have won, I think, 10 in a row now, it does make it concerning. But we will have to see how it plays out on Tuesday. So before we get into the lineup, looking at the player performances, looking at what went right, maybe some of those things we could be critical of in the performance, make sure to hit that subscribe button, make sure to hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads on the channel. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. The starting 11, I, I said in my preview of the game, that I had no idea what he was going to do, but... I felt a little bit more assured that I, I could see him going to a back three. And that's exactly what he did. Reese James was ruled out of the game when I did my preview. He was a doubt, but I, I suspected he he wouldn't be risked even if he was part of the matchday squad just because of Dortmund. And we had Fafana, Koulibaly and Badiashile as the back three. Uh, I, I think I put Chalabra in my back three, but we'll get to the performances of those three players because they were very key on the day. Ruben Loftus-Cheek going back to what he used to do under Thomas Tuchel and a little bit under Graham Potter at the start, which is playing at right wing back. Kovacic was captain alongside Enzo Fernandez in a double six. Ben Chirwell, Raheem Sterling, Joao Felix and Kai Havertz. So as I said, I mean, I, maybe we could have seen Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang come back in here. We could have seen maybe the likes of uh, Conor Gallagher start again, as we saw later in the game, the likes of Connie Chukameka, Nodi Manawake, Mikhailo Mudrik. It was very hard to kind of assume what he was going to do, but going to a system that has kind of suited or at least worked for Chelsea in recent years, if not specifically these players, was probably a sign of, of being a little bit more reactive and looking purely at the result on the day. And also maybe going back to what he originally wanted to do, Graham Potter at Chelsea, and feeling that that maybe is the most important thing to do at the moment to get his team over the line for the rest of this season before, you know, because he needs to get himself to a preseason to be able to instill maybe more complex ideas. It's the classic Chelsea good first 20 to 25 minutes that we've been seeing in recent weeks where the team looks energetic, 
They, I think they started the game well compared to, say, Southampton. They really took the initiative early on. I think some of the way we were trying to build up was good and effective. The diagonals we kept on trying to hit to Ben Shearwell behind Luke Ayling were really effective and almost created a goal in that first uh, 25 minutes. But again, it was a lack of ruthless edge. You know, Kai Havertz has a chance early on that he misses. Uh, Felix hits the bar which I wouldn't say is a sitter, but you know, it's, it's another one of those moments where you think if we're in better goal scoring form, does, does that ball hit the, the bar and then go in? But it was a nice move. And I think Raheem Sterling deserves credit because I think he has looked a lot better in recent weeks. He's starting to get back into that form and could have had two or three assists on the day, to be honest, from a Chelsea perspective. And that obviously I think is good for Graham Potter. But my big concern after that was that it really started to fade away. And Leeds started to get a little bit more confidence in the game. They gained a lot more of the ball as we reached half time. And I think there were deep concerns that once again, Chelsea had had their best moment, hadn't really taken um, you know, the chances that had come their way and we were going to suffer. And it was a concern to me, as we saw against Spurs, that Chelsea would come out in the second half slack and maybe concede a goal. But this time, compared to last weekend, Chelsea came out the stronger and got that all-important goal through Wesley Fofana. The move that you know we scored the winner from was actually something that was used in the first half, and, and it was quite early on in the game, and Fofana got there, leaped well, but couldn't get his header on target. In the second half, he did. I mean, Leeds are... For me, especially more so under Marcelo Bielsa today, we're just woeful at defending corners. And, and it was the same again yesterday. I mean, they just, the amount of space Chelsea players had, but it was the fact that Wesley Fofana was there and capitalised. And you could see the emotion, not only around Stamford Bridge and kind of the surprise and, and amazement around Stamford Bridge of what to do when Chelsea have finally scored a goal, goal again, but you saw how much it meant to those players and how big it was to finally score that goal. Uh, it felt very Thomas Tuchel yesterday. We were playing a 3-4-3 and we were relying on set pieces and defenders to get us goals. But that's what worked yesterday and I think that's what Graham Potter needed. And I think in terms of Fofana, just to focus in on him, I think he was my man of the match because since he's come back from this injury, the second half against Southampton, I thought he had a really assured display considering the fact that he'd just come back from a long stint with, with injury. And, you know, what we've seen since he's come back is very much what we thought we were going to get when we paid all that money to get him from Leicester. I think very assured, very aggressive on that right side, offering things that maybe we've lacked at times this season from a third centre-back to really progress the ball up the pitch. But also, as I say, just keep pressing. And I think that's what that back three really offered. Benoit Badiashile looking very assured once again and airily dominant. And I think what helped with that back three was that Kalidou Koulibaly playing centrally it just seemed to suit him a lot more. He wasn't being asked to go into areas of the pitch that he didn't feel comfortable with. You know, and, and I think that maybe for Kaladou Koulibaly, he was operated a lot better in, say, a back two for Napoli in Serie A, where the pace is a lot slower and he isn't asked to do things like he is in the Premier League. Maybe this is the best role for him in a Chelsea team. Um, and I think that Koulibaly has kind of responded well in recent weeks. I don't think he's had that many bad performances since he's been reintegrated, which I think, again, is a positive. You have to take those positives defensively from Chelsea because Chelsea, despite their problems this season, haven't been actually that woeful if you look at the numbers compared to some of the best defensive teams. Mainly, once again, it's further up the pitch where we just have a lack of attacking productivity, which in itself has been a massive problem. I think that... You know, looking at the game after that, 1-0 up and there was an urgency to to go after Leeds a little bit more and try and get that second goal and maybe get a third and really, really nail down a good performance. I don't know what it was. I mean, there is a, a psychological thing I see with Chelsea and I saw it last season as well where we just naturally retreat and we allow the opposition back into the game. But then when that happens, I was a little bit confused by a lot of the subs that Graham Potter made. 
specifically not bringing on Mikhailo Mudrik um, in a game that became about Chelsea our best sort of moments after the goal and especially as Leeds were trying to get back into the game didn't have the attacking quality or creativity to kind of create those good opportunities but that's the moment you bring on Mikhailo Mudrik to me that's when you want a transition player someone who is going to be rapid at those moments when we can transition and maybe get an overload. And, and I just felt it was a little bit strange to me that, you know, even if you were to take off Kai Havertz and play Mikhailo Mudrik centrally, I just it just, for me, felt a little bit bizarre that Mudrik wasn't used. Nadi Madawake was brought on, Conor Gallagher was brought on, but it did feel very defensive to me. He brought on Trevor Chalabele on, he brought on a Dennis Zakaria. And it just very naturally made Chelsea lopsided in terms of having defensive players on the pitch. And it looked like a manager just wanting to sort of see out the game. And that's very much the way it played out. And that in itself was of some frustration. I do want to say out of the subs, Conor Gallagher did really well. Um, he has just intangibles about his game that may make him very valuable in situations like that. You know, there was a, a thing that happened just, you know, below me where he kept the ball in. And Chelsea were kind of trying to run the clock down a little bit and he almost created himself a goal. And it, it's those things that makes Conor Gallagher, I think, a really exciting player. He's very raw at times. I, you know, I think that at times he has been misused maybe in this Chelsea team and being asked to do things that his game isn't really there for. I do think you need him further up the pitch. I think you want him closer to the goal. You want him hassling. You want him sort of harrying and you want him going about there and creating problems for the opposition and, and creating a little bit of chaos, which is what this Chelsea team hasn't had. had. Hasn't had a lot of unpredictability in recent weeks. It's been slow. It's been turgid. But Conor Gallagher is kind of the opposite of that. And I think that for him, who's had a very challenging first season at Chelsea, I think he asserted himself really well. And if we're looking for the future and we're looking for players who are going to sort of form the basis of whatever team this is going to look like in the upcoming years with young players, I still think Conor Gallagher is doing enough for me this season to show he has the potential to become a better player. I think it's just about refining what he does on the pitch for Chelsea. Where is he going to be suited? And then it sort of comes to the last bit. So Chelsea get over the line, happy days. But I think for me, it sort of signalled yesterday Graham Potter going to a lot, going back to a much more basic, functional, maybe reactive at times counter-attacking team that is going to look to be more effective, which at the end of the day, you can't complain about. Maybe Potter isn't going to be able to instill all the principles that he wants to, but you, ha you have to deal with the context and the situation around you as a head coach. He's had a lot of difficulties. He's under pressure. There's a lot of people who think he isn't ready for this job. He needs to get himself to the summer. And if that means playing a you know more conservative three four three, which allows him to you know protect certain players, we are going back to Tuchel in the sense of you know protecting players. But that is the situation that Graham Potter finds himself in. He doesn't have the luxury or the license to play an expansive game that these players aren't ready for. He's got a massive squad of players, and as I say, you know if it gets him over the line, if it gets Chelsea higher up the table, if it gets Chelsea looking a little bit more productive, and we get some decent results. It's, it's what I said a few weeks ago. Now, this is off the back of one result. We have to see what he does when he approaches Borussia Dortmund, when he goes to Leicester next weekend. Borussia Dortmund can be seen as sort of a final for this season, right? Because looking at the points tally, looking at the previous points tally, the likelihood is Chelsea are going to finish mid-table. Um, and, and, you know, a few more wins is going to get us ninth or eighth. But can we get a little bit higher? And, and can Graham Potter as a coach show that he has the ability to turn what has been a very difficult period around? There is going to be major doubt around that because, you know, Leeds, for all it is a historically important game for Chelsea fans. This is a team who are struggling, you know, against relegation once again in, in, in attack. Didn't have a lot of creativity or kind of end product to kind of really hurt Chelsea. You do worry, we say this a lot, but in different situations, what happens with a better, better type of opponent who can and do have those players who are going to create those chances and are going to take some of those chances. 
But a win is a win. He needed to win that game. There was just no way around it. And he has. And now we go into Tuesday with a little bit of a, a basis of a team that I could see. I could see a lot of the same names play on Tuesday. Hopefully having Reese James back as a, a right wing back. So then you have Chirwell, who I think had a good game. And then you have Reese on the right side. And you have two wing backs who can maybe do what they were doing under Thomas Tuchel. And we know how threatening and how dangerous they can be to defend against. And if he can, that, that's the big one on Tuesday. If he can get over the line on Tuesday... We will see what the mood is around um, Graham Potter after that. But it, it's one step. It's a small step, but it was a step that needed to happen. And hopefully Chelsea, with some of those players getting some confidence, with Chelsea scoring a goal, with Chelsea winning a game again, a bit like it was very similar to that Palace game. And then we didn't build on that kind of first step. Can we build on that now? That is obviously going to be the big question. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sona Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.